Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Go with me to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Glory to God. Last Sunday... I talked about newness of life, walking in newness of life. And thank God in the new birth, we have newness of life. And so I started talking about uh, some aspects of the new life. And I started talking about the, I started talking about it from the perspective of being born again and becoming a new creation in Christ. And uh, modern theology has presented a wrong picture, a wrong understanding of the nature of man. Modern theology, almost in churches, almost universally, uh, all denominations and groups, the most common way the nature of man is presented is they, they basically present man as a twofold being, body and soul. Anybody understand what I'm talking about? Body and soul. That's, that's the way most of the church presents the nature of man, that, we, that they say that the soul of man is that uh, immaterial, invisible, uh, eternal, immortal part of man that gets saved or gets born again knows God, and when that person dies, then uh, their soul goes to heaven, or if they die in their sins and not being saved, they go to hell. And so they, they present that as the soul of man. What they're, what they're really talking about is the spirit of man. Their idea of that, that part of our nature is right, they just have the wrong term associated. That's really not the soul of man. What I just described is not the soul of man, it's the spirit of man. In 1 Thessalonians chapter five, in verse 23, he said, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. The older King James says, I think it says holy, W-H-O-L-E, is that how it says that? Holy, completely, entirely, or he could say in every measure. May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And, and then he goes to, to describe what he means by that. He said, and, that, that, uh, and may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the sanctification he's talking about. May the God of peace himself sanctify you or, or set you apart completely that you may be preserved blameless at the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. God wants us to live sanctified lives. He wants us to live lives that are blameless. Can you be blameless? Evidently you can because that was, that was his, his prayer for the church 
there in Thessalonica, well, that'd be the prayer for his church today, wouldn't it? May the, may the Lord preserve you blameless. <clears throat> See, God has provided blamelessness for us. <clears throat> he has provided a, a, a walk of blamelessness. I don't know if that's a word or not, but we'll just coin it. Blamelessness. He said, may you be preserved blameless unto the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, that ought to be our goal. Now, you might miss the mark every now and then. I do too. But that doesn't make me stop striving and working and doing what I can do to reach that mark. Paul said it like this. He said, I don't consider myself to have reached that mark. I don't consider myself to be perfected or to, lay, to have laid hold of everything, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the mark. That's what I'm talking about when I'm, when I'm talking about a reaching and striving. Actually, there in, in uh, Philippians, when he says that, he said, I press toward the mark. In the, in the original Greek, that word press means to strain every nerve and every muscle. In other words, to reach out with everything you have. Amen. Well, I, I'm, I'm a little off topic here already this morning, but this, this will fit in what I'm talking about. In order for us to do that, it, it's necessary that our whole being, spirit, soul and body be sanctified. Well, if we're not even conscious that we're, our, that we, that we're a three-part being instead of a two-part being, we're gonna miss some things. If we don't understand the difference between soul and spirit, because like I said a few minutes ago, what is described in most churches, what, what most people believe about that, that inward part of man, the part that knows God, that, that uh, invisible, immaterial, in, immortal, uh, eternal part of man that, that gets born again, they think that's the soul. That's not the soul, it's the spirit. The spirit is what gets born again. Now, in, in commentaries, and I have quite a few sets of commentaries, it's very common when they're discussing spirit and soul, it's very common for them to, to, to uh, intermingle these two things or combine them and say that they're basically different terms for the same thing. But that couldn't be true because here he identified three different things. Isn't that right? If they were the same thing, he, he would have just said one or the other. He said, may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body. Go hold your place here and go over to Hebrews, the, the um, uh, fourth chapter of Hebrews. Glory to God. That's not it. What verse am I looking for here? Glory to God. Where it talks about, I just, how four, is it 412? Well, I looked there and I didn't see it. 
I was at, I was at chapter four. Okay, I was just scanning the page and I don't have it marked very well. 412, that's where I thought it was. May the, may the, for the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Now notice, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow and, in his, and is a discerner of the faults and intents of the heart. Piercing even to, to the division of soul and spirit. So you can see that they're just talking about two different things. It takes the word of God to separate those two and to identify them. So if I like to say it like this, and this will help you in your walk with God. It's, it's really important that you understand that you are a spirit. That's, that's on the, end, the, 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 the inward man the core of, of you, the man that is God-like, that knows God, that gets born again, you are a spirit because God is a spirit and we're created in his image. You are a spirit, you have a soul. You possess a soul. And the Bible talks about the saving of the soul. We're not gonna get into that. Talks about the saving of the soul and the, and the fact that you have a soul. Talks about the, the fact that you can lose your soul. But you are a spirit, you, 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 a spirit, possess a soul. And your spirit and soul live in this physical body. You can say it like this, it's easy to see how we contact the physical realm. With our body, we contact the physical realm. With our spirit, we contact the spiritual realm. Well, there's one, only one other realm left that we contact and that's the mental realm. Well, that's what you contact with your soul. But in, in 1 Thessalonians, he said, I pray that your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless. Now go with me over to John, the third chapter. John chapter three. <clears throat> In verse number three, Jesus said, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That which is born of the Holy Spirit is spirit. So you can see here that it's the spirit of man that is born again. Now let's go over to the passage we were looking at last week and let's dig a little deeper in that. That's in 2 Corinthians, the fifth chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter five. And again, I, I, I made these introductory remarks about the, the, the threefold nature of man because if you don't understand the fact that you are a spirit and you have a soul, which is your mind, your will, your emotions, your, your psychological makeup, that, your, your, that part of you, if you don't understand the difference, you'll get tripped up because the enemy will use thoughts 
And you won't be able to discern whether the devil's talking to you or God's talking to you. If you get those mixed up or if you don't even know there's any difference. And so a mature Christian is a Christian who's learned to uh, discern between soul and spirit and live out of it, live, how, this is the way we say it, live out of his spirit. In other words, let the spirit man be the dominant man that we function out of. Not, and, and keeping the soul and the body in its place. If you, don't know, if you don't know about that, you won't be able to recognize where things are coming from. You will, if you don't understand the difference between spirit, soul, and body, you will be a complete failure at being led by the Lord. You will be led by circumstances. You will be led by all sorts of things where the devil will get in and interfere if you can't separate those. So, so it's, it's, it's critically important. But it's also important for what we're gonna be talking about today and that is understanding what belongs to you as a result of being born again. What has actually happened to you by virtue of the new birth? In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, it says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away Behold, all things have become new. Now, I talked just a little bit about this last week, but I tell you what, this subject is deep. This subject is far-reaching. This subject of the new birth and of the new creation is, uh, it, it's a subject or a, or a truth that is, that is so fundamental to your life of victory and knowing what belongs to you. Because it says if anyone is in Christ, now as I've said before, in Christ simply means in union with Christ. When you were born again, you were, when you were born again, you were joined with Christ. Now the new birth is not getting religion. It's not getting religion. The new birth is not turning over a new leaf. The new birth is not uh, getting your thinking straightened out. The new birth is not a radical change where, whereby you uh, come upon a new way of thinking about life and, and, and philosophy and your opinions and so forth. That's, that's not what the new birth is. You can come to church and have your thinking changed without your spirit being reborn. And, and you won't, it won't profit you. It'll profit you a little bit, but it won't, it won't, a pro, it won't profit you uh, uh, eternally, certainly. And it really won't profit you very much here in this life because even though your thinking might be changed, you, you'll still be outside of the covenant and, and you won't be able to... to act on the things you, you believe you, you believe. Yeah. Amen? So it's not getting religion. When Jesus, we read, of, we were over there in John, we won't turn back to it in the third chapter of John. When, when Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he said, make, he said, surely, surely, or we, could, we would say today, make no mistake. Unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. In the original Greek, it, the word isn't born again, 
It's born from above. Now, almost all translations say born again because that's, it's so common. We talk about being born again. That's the lingo that all uh, born again Christians talk. We talk about being born again. But born again suggests a sequence. Born once and then born again. That'd be a second birth. But we, we also refer to it as a new birth and that's closer because it's not the numerical sequence, it's the, it's the, it's the origin of the birth. And literally, it said, Jesus said, you must be born from above. Nicodemus then said, can a man be born a second time? Jesus said, no, you're not getting what I'm saying. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, but that which is born of the spirit, that's talking about being born from above. That's the new birth. Like I said, it isn't getting religion. It isn't. The new birth is an actual spiritual experience. It's a very specific experience. It's not a process. You don't just attend church or talk to Christians and gradually become a new creation. It's an event, it's a specific spiritual experience that happens and it's predicated upon certain things that you do. There are two things. You believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead. Now, you either believe that or you don't. Now, you and I believe it, because if you're born again, you believe it because you've experienced it. At some point, you had to believe it without experiencing it. You had to make a decision to believe. And when you made that decision, you could have made a decision not to believe. You weren't forced into that position. Someone, either an individual shared with you or you were in church or something happened and you came under the influence of the gospel and the message of the resurrection of Jesus Christ and at some point you made a decision to believe that. The second thing you did is with your mouth, you confessed what you believed in your heart. In other words, you said with your mouth, Jesus either be my Lord or come into my life, Lord Jesus, you referred to him as Lord. When he became your Lord, that's when you became born again. It was an event that happened, bingo. One moment you weren't born again and the next minute you were. Now I've thought often a lot, this, this is better uh, applied to last week in my Easter message, but I didn't get there. The disciples the 12 apostles, you know, they're, they're, the Bible calls the original 12 apostles, you know, this is, uh, there was actually 13 because Judas lost his apostleship. Matthias was take, uh, chosen to take his, his place. So those original 12, including Matthias, they're referred to in the Bible as the 12 apostles of the Lamb. Now, there are other kinds of apostles. Paul was an apostle, but he wasn't, an apostle of the lamb because the apostles, the 12 apostles of the lamb were eyewitnesses to Jesus' entire ministry, 
Remember when they chose Matthias, they said, we need to choose somebody who has been with us from the beginning. We never heard him from Matthias until that point. But he was one of those others that, that were there when, when Peter and James and John, when they first came to Christ, Matthias, or came to, to be followers of the Lord, Matthias was right there with them. We just didn't hear about him. So those 12 apostles of the Lamb were chosen because they were eyewitnesses to Jesus' ministry, but also to his death. They were there, they saw him on the cross. They saw him breathe his last breath and give up the ghost. They saw the darkness as it descended and the, and the earthquake that shook. They were standing there and they saw him when he was raised from the dead. They went, two or three of them went to the tomb. Remember Peter and John went to the tomb. The stone was open. One of them stuck his head in and looked and the other one ran in, you know, and they saw the, the cloth where Jesus had been laying. There was an angel there. I, and then after that, they, they saw him. They were eyewitnesses. For a long time, I wondered, you know, I said, Lord, faith is, is believing having not seen. To see something and believe it, that's not great faith. To not believe, I mean, to not see and believe, that's what the Bible says is great faith. Why did you put so much emphasis upon them seeing? Here's the thing. The world needed to have this testimony. Because you see, this man here, Zach, he's a believer because he chose to believe and now he has the reality of that in his heart. He know, we call it the no-so religion. It's not a theory. We have salvation. We have him in us. So we know what that is. But Zachary, Zach never saw Jesus in the flesh. He never saw Jesus go to the cross. He wasn't there when Jesus was raised from the dead. He, didn't, he wasn't there during those, those 40 days when Jesus visited the disciples. He wasn't there. Now, Zach, because he's, a, because he's got Christ in his heart and he's a dedicated Christian, if Zach fell under persecution and was required to give his life for Christ, either recant and say it's not true or we're gonna kill you, because of what's in his heart, because of what he knows, he would stand true and say, I am not going to deny my Savior. I know what I know. I know what he's done in my life. You can cut my head off. You can put a bullet through my brain. You can do whatever you want to. I will not recant. I will not bow. Jesus is Lord. He'll do that because he knows him in his heart. Amen. But those original 13 disciples, apostles, Every one of them, except John, faced horrible deaths. It's not recorded in the scripture, but according to, to extra biblical sources that were written about that time or, or closely thereafter, they all gave their lives for Christ. They were crucified. They, they had all sorts of things happen to them. And the thing that would have got them off the torture stake would be to say, you know, we made all this up. Because it's, it's one thing for Doyle to, to give his life for Christ because he believes in his heart. And he's made a decision to accept Christ and he's got that reality. But those guys, they were there. It either happened or it didn't happen. 
They either saw him dead and then saw him alive or they didn't. And if they hadn't, they'd have known it. And you say, well, one fanatic might give his life for a lie knowing that it's a lie, but you're not gonna get all 12 of them to give their lives for something that didn't happen and they knew it didn't happen. They just made it up. It was a great uh, uh, scheme they came up with and it, and it sure looked like it was working for a while and it produced a new movement, but now they're gonna, now they're gonna set me on fire? I mean, if, if it wasn't real, one of them would have cracked. Isn't that right? That's why God chose eyewitnesses because their testimony cannot be denied. No, 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 11, I should say, no, 11. Actually, John was, was, was put in boiling oil. He was boiled alive in oil and he survived. They didn't kill him, according to tradition. They didn't kill him. So, I mean, that, I mean, you know, you're facing a big old cauldron of boiling oil. You're gonna be honest. <laughs> if, if this stuff is not true, you're gonna say something. Isn't that right? Praise the Lord. We have a salvation and we have a gospel that really cannot be denied. The resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ is a historical fact. Even the Jews who opposed the story of the resurrection couldn't come up with anything to deny it. Because if he hadn't been raised from the dead and he was still in the tomb, they'd have gone and gotten his body out of the tomb and said, hey guys, this resurrected Lord, he's right here. Isn't that right? Something happened to the body of the Lord Jesus Christ or else the Jews would have produced it. So they said, well, somebody came and stole the body. Well, it, it wouldn't be a believer. It'd be an unbeliever. So why didn't he come forward with that body? What was that movie? The dead body, the guy? Huh? Weekend at Bernie's. Weekend at Jesus's. <laughs> Propped him up, put some sunglasses on him. <laughs> now that's crazy, isn't it? He, he either was raised from the dead or, or, or you had an entire generation of idiots and liars that would give their life for a lie. Nobody does that. Thank God he was raised from the dead. I don't know how I got off on that, but that's, that's, that's good testimony. When somebody starts challenges, well, you know, that really didn't happen. Well, yeah, it really did happen. Because if it hadn't happened, there'd have been some evidence that it didn't happen. That'd have been a dead body. <laughs> Praise the Lord, but there's not a dead body. Glory to God. He was raised from the dead and he walked and talked and ate with them and fellowshiped with him. And, and, and John says, we have handled him and lived with him. The, the, the life was manifested. Glory to God. Thank God for their eyewitness testimony. Amen. And because of that, I believe it in my heart. Glory to God. Well, when you believe it, something happens when you believe it and you act on it. It's not, just, it's not just being persuaded that it's so. 
You can be persuaded that it's so, but be reluctant, reluctant to act on it. And if you're reluctant to act on it by taking Jesus as your Lord. So you say, well, how many people are like there? There are millions of people like that. There are millions of people that have been raised in church, that their families know God, they know all about it, and they're putting it off that, you know, I, I, I believe in all this, but I'm just not quite ready to give up my sinful life. But one day I plan to. I don't, you just, they'll say, keep praying for me because I don't want to go to hell. Y'all keep praying for me. And, and, you know, one day, one day I'm going to get right with God. Well, that's a real dangerous proposition. And a lot of people have been taken out like that. And they had opportunity after opportunity. And they believed all along. They believed. But they never would act on it. So when you believe and you act on it, something happens. Like I said, it's not something you grow into. It's not a process. Boom. You're born again. A new life. Glory to God. Oh, hallelujah. It's, it's not a rebirth. It's not the old man born again. It's a new, it's not a rebirth, it's a new birth. God creates something that didn't exist before. And so that's, that's why it says in first Corinth, or Second Corinthians here, if anyone is in union with Christ, he is a new creation. Now the older King James says a new creature. That's a little strange sounding. It sounds, it reads better in the New King James. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Can I read you some other translations of that? The Phillips translation says, for if any man is in Christ, he becomes a new person altogether. The past is finished and gone. Everything has become fresh and new. Barclay's translation says, when a man becomes a Christian, a new act of creation happens to him. Translator's New Testament says, if any man is in Christ, there is a new act of creation. The old is gone, the new has come. The Williamson, this is my personal favorite. This is just my personal favorite. You can have your own, but I like this one. William says, for if anybody is in union with Christ, he is the work of a new creation. Do you know you're a work? He is the work of a new creation. Glory to God. The old condition has passed away and a new condition has come. Glory to God. Jordan's translation says, the old guy is gone. Look, a new man has appeared. Hallelujah. If anybody is in union with Christ, he is the work of a new creation. There was a creative act that took place. Now, it wasn't a physical act. It didn't happen in the physical realm. It happened in the spirit realm. God created, when you, when you believed on Christ and and. and and pronounced him, confessed him as Lord of your life. God, the creator, in a, in a, in a creative act, he, he created a new person that had never existed before. 
Never existed before. That's what creation is. Creation isn't renovation. The new birth isn't renovation. It's not the old made better. It's not the old renovated, reformed, refashioned. The new creation, when you were born again, the person that, that suddenly was birthed on the inside is brand new. He's not associated with the old person. The old man, the Bible says, the old man was crucified with Christ. Go with me to Romans chapter six. Hold your place in 2 Corinthians or put a marker there. We'll come back. Romans chapter six says in verse six, knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him. The old person that was, the Bible described him as being dead in trespasses and sins. Now, spiritual death doesn't mean it's not existent. It just, spiritual death is separation from God. And before you were born again, and this is true of all people who are unsaved, they are dead spiritually in the, in the sense that they have a spirit all right. They are a spirit and it's functioning, but the life that's in it is death. The life force that's in unsaved people is actually the, is actually the fourth force of death. It, spiritual death is the, is the nature of Satan. And every person, even your beloved loved ones, best friends, doesn't matter if they don't know Christ, they are dead in trespasses and sin. They're inward man. Well, when you accepted Christ, God took the old man you were and nailed him to the cross with Christ. So, well, that happened 2,000 years ago. How did that? There's no, there's no time and in, 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 in distance in the realm of the spirit. I, do you, Pastor, do you understand that? No, not completely. Not, not completely. I just know that my old man was crucified to Christ because the truth tells me so. This book is truth whether I understand it or not. It would behoove you to agree with it even when you don't understand it. <laughs> because if you, if you are determined to understand everything before you believe it, you're not gonna get very far. That's, that's what the life of faith is all about. I believe the truth in that book and, and my understanding will come around. I might, ha I might not come around completely till I get to heaven, but I'm not gonna be concerned about that. This, Jesus said, thy word is truth. So when I was born again, when you were born again, the old man was nailed to the cross with Christ. That's where it says we died with him. If you believe you, were, you died with him, you believe you'll be made alive with him. We, we were crucified with Christ, we died with him. <clears throat> and then <clears throat> in union with Christ's resurrection when he was raised up, God raised up the rest of us with Christ. Now, <clears throat> again, we weren't there when it happened, but in the realm of the spirit, God put us in union with Christ we were united in his death, in his burial, in his resurrection, and in his ascension. See, we're, we're not just a part of Christ now. He made us a part of Christ in every redemptive phase. In his death, his burial, his, his, his resurrection, his ascension, and his seating. We were placed into all of those stages of, of the redemptive uh, 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 plan that was played out. 
Now that new man is in union with Christ and the, and the new man that God created isn't related to the old man that went to the cross. The only thing, the only connection between the two is the house they live in. See, the house, the old man lived in this house, this body that you can see. The old man lived in this house and he functioned through this house. I, I lived out of that old man. My life reflected that. But when Christ came, when I believed on him and when you believed on him, that new person was created on the inside and the two people aren't related. The only relation, the only common denominator is the body and the mind, the soul that didn't get born again. The soul of man, the, the, the Bible talks about he restores my soul. He re, we, we, we get our minds renewed with the word of God. That's, that's the saving of the soul. The spirit of man gets born again. And, and the thing about it is because the new man doesn't have anything to do with the old man and the old man died, that means all the baggage the old man had died with him. Too many Christians are walking through life carrying baggage from the old life. They've been born again. I mean, they have genuinely believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and confessed him as Lord and they've got the reality of the new birth. They know they're born again, but they're carrying artifacts. <laughs> they're carrying the conditions. They're carrying the troubles and the sorrows of the old man he, who doesn't exist anymore. Oh, Glory. What are, what are some of the, he says here, well, before, before we go, let's, let's read the rest of this. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new cre creation. Old things have passed away. What are some of the old things that have passed away? Well, first of all, you're old man. I'm not talking about your husband. <laughs> you're old man, the old man you were, who was dead in trespasses and sins, he passed away. But not only your, your old man, your old nature. Your old nature, the nature of sin and death also passed away. Now I know for a lot of Christians it feels like they still have that old nature because they struggle with temptation. And they think, well, I've got new, two natures. I've got, I've got the, the good nature, I've got the nature of God, but I've got this bad... God didn't, God didn't create schizophrenia in spiritual conditions. God didn't create spiritual schizophrenics, okay? You don't have two natures. If you're born again, your inward man has one nature and it is the nature of God. It is the life of God. Jesus said, any man who believes in me will have life. The life of God came into you and his nature came into you and the desires of that nature, your inward man only wants what God wants. Your flesh is still conditioned the other way and your mind still wants to carry you back to that old life and wants you to, to think like you used to think and to feel the things you used to feel. 
Oh, glory. The sinful nature that, that you had before you were born again passed away. Unworthiness passed away. Too many Christians walk through life with a sense of unworthiness. They, they feel like they never measure up. Can I get an amen? This sense of inferiority where you, where you feel like you just, you're not good enough. Too many Christians struggle with that. You know, there's something wrong with me. I see everybody else at church and they seem so victorious, but I just don't seem to qualify. That past, that's part of that baggage of the old man. That's how sinners feel. Sinners feel they don't measure up because they don't. They know they don't. There's that condemnation, that, that sickness that in the pit of their stomach, whether they want to admit it or not, whenever they're not drowning that out with, with drugs or alcohol when they're conscious and they go to bed at night, no matter what, how they try to rationalize things, in, in, in their heart of heart, they know they're not right with God. They know they can't stand before God because they know they're, they're lost. Listen, that type of baggage, don't carry that around. That went to the cross and it died. The fearfulness and dread, just, just being afraid in life in general, facing life with fear, the dread of tomorrow, the dread of eternity, the dread of judgment. Oh, one day I'm gonna stand before God. Yeah, you are. There's a judgment seat of Christ, but everybody at that seat is saved. It takes place in heaven, not in hell. And it's a judgment of reward, whether to determine you know, your position in the new kingdom. But the judgment of the great white throne judgment, when people are judged whether they're, they're saved or lost, Jesus said that a man who is saved passes from death to life and will not see the judgment of God. You need, to, you need to understand that you can live life free from that sense of judgment. There's not any judgment to separate you from God coming in your life. Oh, hallelujah. The sense of powerlessness. A lot of people just go through life and they're depressed. You know, depression is a sense of powerlessness. Depression is a sense of, I just can't get it together. I just can't, I just can't do it. I, I don't know what to do. I'm in this hole. I can't get out of it. And, 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 and I, I just, I want to give up. I want to pull the curtains and, and stay in bed and, and, and just leave me alone. I can't cope with life. All of that is part of the old man. That's associated with the old man. So, well, I'm born again and I'm still that way. That's what I'm trying to get you to see. Put that baggage down. Yeah. Well, Pastor, it's not that easy. It's easier than you think. 
Yeah, the devil will challenge you, but the easy part is you're assured of victory when you make a determination. I'm not gonna carry that baggage anymore. I'm not carrying it. I'm not walking. I'm not gonna put up with those feelings. I am not gonna be depressed. You have to be willing to, to take a stand and say, when I was born again, I was that man with all of that insecurity and that inferiority and that sense of unworthiness and, and fear and dread. All of that went to the cross. And that's not who I am. You tell yourself that, you tell the devil that, that is not who I am anymore. I'm not that person anymore. I'm not gonna live that way. I'm not gonna be a weeper. I'm not gonna be a, a, a depressed person. I'm not gonna be down. I'm not gonna be under condemnation. I'm not gonna live in fear. You put those bags down and kick them out of your life. That sense of hopelessness. Hopeless. Sorrow, sadness. Shame. Guilt and shame. Too many Christians are living under a cloud of shame because of things that happened yesterday. Live under a cloud of sorrow and regret, condemnation and just guilt because of, 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 of things that they did. If any man is in Christ, he is the work of a new creation. That, that man, that the person on the inside, you you aren't even, not only, not only are the two not connected, they're not even related. Some of you in this congregation are related with others, you know, aunts and uncles and cousins and brothers and stuff. And so, you know, you've got some relate. You're not even related to that old man that did those things. The man that, that did those bad deeds, that, that did those things that are so shameful, that man went to the cross Somebody paid the debt for him. His name was Jesus and Jesus took him and put him on the cross. And I'm, tell, I'm telling you, he's never coming back. In the movies, the monster comes back. But in Christ, he's never coming back. Because, why? Because Jesus was raised from the dead. Having died to sin, he dies no more. Death no longer has dominion over him. And because you died with him and then were raised with him, you died unto sin once and for all. Sin and death no longer have dominion over you. That man's never coming back. You'll never be held accountable for any of those things. Jesus was held accountable for your sin. Jesus went to the cross for your sin. He was one, the one that paid for your lies and your thieves, thefts and your, and your cursing and your, and your murder and all of the things that you did. That's Jesus right. went That's to the right. cross for that. Amen. You did. And, and that old man that committed those things went to the cross with him. Yeah, yeah. And in his place, <laughs> woo, in his place, God, a creative act, God formed a brand new yes, you. And you're not even cousins to the old guy. Right. Not even third removed. <laughs> Can you see how that will make life different? Can you see how if you understand that and start acting on it, those bags that you're carrying are lies. 
that you think they're the truth because you can remember doing those things. See, that's part of the renewing of the mind. You have to get your mind renewed that you're not that person anymore. But if you don't renew that, your mind, you'll, you'll think, well, yeah, I did all those things. I really need to be ashamed of that. No. Those bags are, those are lies. They're empty. You open up the bags, they're empty. The murder's not there. The lie's not there. The abortion's not there. The pornography's not there. The greed's not there. Amen? It's, they're empty bags. Quit carrying them around. Glory to God. This truth, if you get it down in you, radically change your life to reflect who you are now. Who you are is not gonna change because if you believed on him, it's already changed. But, but understanding this will cause you to line up with who you are and the devil will lose his ability to keep you in bondage, to keep you in fear, to keep you in sorrow, to keep you in depression, to keep you in defeat, to keep you sick, to keep you poor. See, all of these things, all of those things are connected with condemnation. Well, if I was as good as, you know, brother Quentin over here, you know, maybe I could be healed, you know, but, but uh, I know what, well, you know, uh, the truth is, you are as good as Brother Quentin because you and he are both in Christ. Oh, glory to God. And, and, and brother, brother, brother Q here, he doesn't enjoy the blessings of God because of his behavior. He enjoys the blessing of God because who he's in. He's in union with Christ. It's Christ's blessing. That's why he enjoys the blessing of God. And guess what? You're in there too. Well, praise the Lord. I, I went a little over, but let's stand up. Praise God. Amen. Glory to God. There is so much here to explore. I get it. Thank you, though. I got it. So much here to explore. We might come back to it. You think? <laughs> praise the Lord. Oh, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God, glory to God. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Oh, I pray, Lord. I pray that people will get a hold of this and their people that need it, Lord, will understand what's happened to them. That the old has passed away. It's gone. And everything has been made new. Oh, thank you, Father, for the new creation. Being born from above, a brand new man. Glory to God. No past failures, no past sin, no past compromise, no weakness. Just total fellowship, complete, unbridled, unbroken fellowship with you. Glory to God. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. 
If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.